0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Lending, Art & Market's second annual conference. My name is Vivian Yeo, and I am writer at Art & Market. This is the second panel of Lending, where we answer the question, how do we carve out and sustain independent agendas? As agents of self-organisation, experimentation, and discourse, independent platforms are integral to the art ecosystem. Their work often exists outside of institutional planning and commercial forces, thereby making space for fresh perspectives. We speak with individuals who have advocated for such spaces and gain insights on the importance of productive criticism, the power of community engagement, and the challenges of sustaining one's practice. Before we begin, I would like to thank everyone for. spending the next 45 minutes with us. If you have a question to ask a panellist, you can type it out anytime in the Q&A box at the bottom of your screen. And we will get to them at the end during the question and answer segment. I am pleased to be speaking to Dominic Zinapan, managing editor of Green Papaya Art Projects in the Philippines. Hi, Dominic.
1: Hello.
0: Tao, managing editor and program coordinator of Matka in Vietnam.
2: Hi Yen. Hi.
0: Mm-hmm. And Rixmi Yen, Program Director of Silapat Churchetnik or STP in Cambodia. Hello. Hi. Okay, so let's dive in. To start us off, let's talk about context. Why were your independent platforms created in the first place? And what gap were they trying to fill in your respective countries? Anyone can go ahead and start.
3: Dominic, you, you want to start first? OK, I'll start. Uh, so
1: Green Papaya started and was founded in 2000 by... Uh, it was founded by Norberta Roldan and Donna Miranda. So... Uh, I was still three years old then, uh, but I joined, um, I joined in 20, like last year, early last year after like volunteering intermittently since 2016. Um, so uh, these are notes that I asked from our co-founder. Uh, he said that uh, Green Papaya was founded. Um, it was a case of wanting to provide a platform to young and emerging artists across disciplines who are outside a very limited commercial and institutional support system and wanting to take part in exploring new ways of understanding, producing, and disseminating contemporary art. So, yeah, and I think it's also worth, worth noting that um, in 2000 when Papaya was founded, uh, there were several artist-run spaces also operating in Metro Manila. So among them were big sky Mine, surrounded by water and third space. And they lasted for like sometime between like two to six years. So it's very, it's a very short time span and papaya is still alive 21 years after.
0: Yeah. That's amazing to hear. And I know um Hatao actually uh, Makka also privileges or uh, tries to support young emerging artists. Can you share more about that?
2: Well, we support young emerging artists because, you know, that's also who we are, and uh, we figure out if there's really no infrastructure here. It's really, you know, um, we have to support each other from another, and that's like just common sense. Um, so we haven't had a long history like Gris Papaya, uh, which is five years old, um, and MacDAO was actually first established in the form of an online journal back in 2016. And now we have to expanded to other platforms, such as like we have physical space and so on imprint where we we'll publish our books. And our humble website uh, publishes photographic series and interviews with photographers and um, sometimes opinion pieces as well. Uh, it was started by um, Ilung Fat, who's a freelance photojournalist. I joined the team pretty early on. And so Ling Pham's stories is very similar to mine and also like so many other photographers here who are largely self-taught, uh, who look for guidance and inspiration from senior practitioners here in Vietnam. Uh, but with that, like, like I said, without any infrastructure of schools and galleries and museums, um, photographers often hang out in, uh, you know, your gardens or cafes, right? Our, our coffee culture runs deep. <laughs> um, but with any click like closed circle the information stays within it and you know you have to earn some sort of membership to be accepted and so even when you know like when Ling and me uh, got accepted in this circle and we know about like interesting photographers doing interesting projects um, there is really no place to, to publish it uh, and because you know, these projects are self-initiated and not like commissioned by an editor or client. Uh, and so that's why I was created to distribute these works to a wider audience and give these photographic works really the attention that they deserve.
0: No, that makes a lot of sense. I think sometimes information around art can stay in a bubble. And we need mm-hmm. to find ways to, sh- to share it to as much people as possible. Uh, exactly. mm. no,
2: sorry. I was just talking with Dominic about like how daunting and intimidating it can be like you know when you are an outsider and emerging artist, like looking out and yeah it can be quite intimidating mm. so that's why you know like I felt like the online platform really works in disseminating information um, as widely as possible
3: I think uh, uh, comparing to uh, green papaya and uh, Dog uh, project, STP is quite young. You know, we begin our project in uh, 2019 uh, when I returned from my study in the, in, in Singapore. Um, but because of the pandemic, uh, we only initiate and have a soft launching uh, in, um, in in mid February. So basically, we are very young. Um, The reason we try to establish uh, this platform is to assist young emerging artists, especially those who are coming from the rural area, and or those who has not been uh, promoted by other uh, institutions or uh, platforms. So we hope that this will be the platform just for them. Yeah. So that's the, the idea, basically.
0: Um, I think quite uh, related to supporting emerging artists is that uh, all your platforms engage in quite productive criticism. Uh, For Dominic, uh, Green Papaya Art Projects in particular launched a series of Instagram posts called Death is a Portal uh, and another under the hashtag Defend Press Freedom. How does your platform help to challenge dominant narratives and promote critical dialogue?
1: For example, in the case of the that is a portal series of posters and the red posters, Um, we, we because last year that was around our 20th anniversary that we launched those posters in May of 2020. And I think it, it, it emerged from this idea that um, we can't really celebrate our 20th anniversary as we would want to celebrate it so we decided to use that moment the momentum of that occasion to instead um amplify the campaigns and calls and demands of people so so every now and then we publish like um messages for example the government tried to um shut down one of the country's main media outlets and also all the controversies surrounding the pandemic, their lack of response. But I think um, in general, our platform, we we use it to challenge um narratives and promote dialogue. Um, through like for the past 10 years, we've been active um organizing talks and discussions. Um, uh, we, we've been working on publications recently we've been participating in several alliances, like most recently um, the Transnational Coalition for the Arts. Um, it's an alliance that emerged in response to the Myanmar coup. And, uh, and we also see our archiving as somehow a way to also help enable the surfacing of, of alternative or forgotten narratives. So yeah, I think that's how we use our platform to, um, to help encourage that critical dialogue.
0: Definitely, Yeah, I think Green Papaya Projects um, engages in topics in quite a political and international uh, sense. Um, for Hatao and Rixmi, how, how does your platforms uh, engage in uh, critical dialogue in terms of uh, the art sphere in your respective countries?
2: I'll start first then with me. Um, so you mentioned like dominant narrative in Vietnamese photography. Um, like if you simply Google photography from Vietnam, for example, and click images, then you mostly will see two kinds of images, you know, which is from the Vietnam War. And uh, the other type is like of Ha Long Bay or Long Bien Bridge or girls in our and whatnot. So um, because of the specific history, um, photography has been viewed as a form of propaganda and now um, as a tool to promote tourism. And now, you know, as finance booming, with um, the economy booming, uh, with new businesses open every day, then photography is now viewed as a powerful tool to like generate a positive brand image in that sense. And obviously it's a very um, accessible and democratic tool, uh, but photography has always been struggling to be accepted uh, as a form of visual arts. and this debate has been you know like going on forever, right? So there's a tension or like a gap between photojournalism and art, uh, art photography, so-called, uh, and then, but at the same time, like photography is not fully accepted uh, in mm-hmm. contemporary art galleries or the official curriculum of Vietnam Fine Art University um, for many reasons. And so the kind of photography that we stand for, uh, occupies like an isolated space Uh, and it's been quite a journey to try to bridge these gaps uh, because for us um, we don't really discriminate. We feature photography of all kinds uh, as long as it's conceptually and visually strong. Um, We just don't really feel the need to deepen the already existing hierarchy between you know different genres of photography and I'm also thinking of visual art as you know, in its most general definition, right? So not necessarily photos created to be exhi- exhibited as fine art prints in a white cube gallery. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a fashion campaign or like a long-term documentary series can also be considered art if it's driven by a distinct personal vision. Uh, and, you know, like I also view labels as restrictive and uncalled for. So I guess like that's how we challenge uh, like narrative in, in photography by trying to like expand its definition. Mm.
1: Mm. Thank
3: you. you know, yeah, from, uh, from the uh, from SDP perspective, as, uh, as I mentioned, we're quite young, our activity is not that much. But one thing for sure that we will do is to um, allow this uh, platform to be a place where discussion could take place discussion on you know, art criticism but also discussion on certain issue that is censored within Cambodia, and currently we've been discussing on a numbers of film and to connect to how uh, um advocate that film and documentary could be also considered as art and actually they are and uh, so our project now discussing on uh, screening a few of uh, film that has been censored in Cambodia, and we hope that this will be a place where we can discuss. And the one thing and uh, the second part is that we would like to explore different narratives that that away from the Khmer Rouge. And I think many, Camb- many people outside of Cambodia, Probably know Cambodia through this uh, perspective, uh, not perspective, but through this framework marriage. Um, not to say that there is no legacy of the marriage within Cambodia. That, that we're not denying it. We're just uh, interested in exploring other uh, issues, you know, environmental issue or gender or something like that. If if we can, yes.
0: Thank you. Yeah, the thing about um, as Hatau said about labels, they are great for us to, to talk, to have discussions but at the same time they're very limiting in terms of what is photography, what is Cambodian art, what is uh, Vietnamese art or Filipino art. Um, and it's very important to spread this knowledge not just within the country but also um, overseas. So I wanted to talk about um, how in all your practices there is both the act of looking uh, inwards to your respective countries and also looking outwards to the international sphere. Um, how important is the wider global community in their work that you do?
1: So with Green Papaya, I think like, like looking through the archives, um, like ever since it started, I think um, it always had the wider, it always considered itself part of the wider global community, art community, and it, so as such, the um, Papaya considered that community as part of its scope of activity. So for through the years since two thousand, Papaya um, helped like host and facilitate residencies for local and international artists. Um, whenever an artist is visiting through Metro Manila, there would they'd offer a space for them to talk and discuss their practice and engage and meet um local artists so yeah i think one thing about is that it helps inform us of our own location our context um helps us understand our circumstances better and somehow like enrich the discussion with um local cultural workers as well and help connect them also with this wider network
2: And Vivian uh, mentioned, like even um, points out the fact that guys publish in both English and Vietnamese. Um, our homepage is Vietnamese, you know, which is, which reflects our primary audience. But the decision to publish in both languages is really based on um, the commitment to accessibility, you know, which is achieved through, you know, our online free and open platform, as well as, you know, the spelling nature um, so by publishing in English, you can also reach international audiences within Vietnam as well, you know, because there are a lot of practitioners from abroad or like of Vietnamese heritage uh, who have been acti- actively pushing the scene here forward. And when you mention the wider global community, I'm thinking first and foremost of the regional community here in Southeast Asia, uh, because I've been inspired by similar narr- um, initiatives Uh, such as the Angkor Photo Festival and even like Green Papaya, um, simply because their information is available in English, which which I can access. And I felt like language has definitely been a barrier when I do research on, for example, photography from Indonesia or like our neighbouring China. uh, And just imagine how eye-opening it could be if all local platforms were also available in English. But of course, it is just my wishful thinking because it does take a lot of time and resources. Uh, but because you know we we have such commitment, then and we try to to do it. And, yeah.
3: Yeah. At the gallery, uh, STP also wants to expand, uh, not expand, connect ourselves to a larger community outside of Cambodia. But for uh, so far, uh, I think for the first few years, we would like to work mostly with a uh, local audience actually and I think that's um, that's especially those coming from the northwest of Cambodia and Batambong province for example so that's the reason why we just uh, established a, a new platform a project in Battambang where we can forge a connection between artists in Phnom Penh and Battambang as well so um, uh, in the first few years we'll, 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 we're thinking more on local but hopefully in the future we can forge the connection with uh, Asian artists therefore our artists not RS and the gallery's artists, but artists, Cambodian artists that work with us could uh, use our platform to uh, exchange ideas and do some internship abroad as well,
0: yeah. Definitely, thank you. Um, There is, it's very important, I think, to focus both locally and abroad. Um, you need to establish something at home first, uh, and then expand outwards. That's the best way to do it, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And to do with uh, language, there's a good point there because uh, I think many artists there's a lot of privilege that comes with um, talking about your work in, in English or talking about anything in English. So there is definitely a, a power, a power dynamic there in terms of language. Um, sure. I wanna talk about uh, online, uh, online sphere as well. Um, so over the past year, of course, with the pandemic, there's been many restrictions around travel and physical interaction. Um, the past year has prompted a global shift to the online realm. Uh, for Matka uh, in particular, you, you started out as an online journal from the very beginning in 2016. Uh, I wonder how the pandemic has uh, changed your use of the digital sphere in any way?
2: That's not a lot of difference, uh, as you can tell, because we have always been very active online. Uh, but the thing is, like, it's quite funny because you know now because of lockdown COVID, um, a lot of in like um, international organizations, for example, are funding online activities, and we've been trying to get funding for those activities. You know, um, for the past years, but uh, I guess it's not really. It's not as sexy, for example, like as exhibition or like community programs, um, but yeah, the the website has remained central to, to everything that we do, uh, rather than like a plan being to fall back off, fall back on um, when programs got cancelled. Um, but during lockdown in last year, we've been able to find our time to rebuild and update the website in to have a new section dedicated to the physical space and also a workshop that enables um, direct payment. So it's not like a total transformation, but we are quite proud of it actually. Again, like the point being transparency and openness and efficiency even. So in 2020, I think it just last month, um, during a program called Photo Hanoi, uh, which we are a key partner, uh, all exhibitions unfortunately have to close, um, so we what we did was quickly do a three D scan, uh, resulting in a virtual walkthrough, uh, which I think is the best substitute for the moment.
1: Mm. Uh,
2: so despite um, spending a big chunk of my day online, I'm actually a bit skeptical towards digital exhibitions. I'm not really sure if you have the same if you share the same sentiment, but view, viewing rooms are really just web posts and like there's a popular platform called uh, Guzman Chicks, if I'm not mistaken, Uh, you know, which which is used to like, you know, for digital exhibitions. But really, it offers no sense of space and light. And I think it sort of like defeats the purpose of an exhibition. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think moving things online has a lot of advantages, but also a lot of problems to work through. Um, Dominic, uh, I, I know Green Papaya Art Projects have been working actually with Asia Art Archives in 2017, to since 2017, to archive its materials online. Um, of course, this was meant to be in preparation for its closing during its 20th anniversary. Um, could you tell us more about this collaboration?
1: So um, Green Papaya and Asia Art Archive were both established in 2000. And according to our founder, uh, Peewee Roldan, he said that it um, it was fortunate that they were able to establish relations early on when Claire Shu, the founder of AAA, visited Manila a year or like around 2001 or 2002. So when... In 2016, when Papaya announced its intentions of closing in 2020, um, Asia Art Archive um, volunteered to... Um, they asked if Papaya would be interested in archiving its materials and to make it uh, available online. So the digitization work began in 2017 and it has been one of our main projects since for the past few years. So what happened, it was supposed to be launched, the phase one of the archives was supposed to be launched in 2020, but because of the pandemic plus the fire that happened last year around June, um, the process got delayed. So it was only February of this year that the phase one of the archives were uploaded. Um, so yeah, um, right now we're still... Um, we're, we're still working on digitization and other archiving processes. And th- that's one of the main uh, things that we've been focusing on since the lockdown happened last year. So aside from that, we've tried to, we're developing our website, working on online publications. Um, because prior to the lockdown, we've been mostly using social media. Not really, we didn't really have like a functional website up until recently. So there. And also um our collaboration with AA has gone beyond archiving because um papaya plans to hold an archives exhibition at the Vargas Museum in September 2022. Um, this was supposed to be our closing exhibition like we this was supposed to happen in, in 2020 but the because of the lockdown, it got postponed. But this is a tentative date we were planning to um to exhibit uh, Papayas Archives, and it will be it will be co-curated by Chong Daivo. Uh, um, she's been she's from the AAA and she's been handling our archives, and by Patrick Flores of the Vargas Museum.
0: that's so great to hear um especially since uh as we know there was a devastating fire um that happened to green papaya projects in june last year um i was wondering in light of this totally unforeseeable event um how have you kept your platform afloat uh, apart from uh, archiving all your
1: materials um i think um the only the reason why we've stayed afloat is because of the support that we received from a lot of people like when the news broke out a lot of people really rushed to our aid and a lot of institutions also extended their support to us so um from that we were able to at least you know um keep the team salary going Um, we were able to continue some of our projects like publications that we've been working on for years Um, for example our our archival materials um, the lopez museum and library um, they have uh, and they have a restoration they have the materials to restore materials so they volunteered to um, help us, you know, um, remove the ash and mold, and to dehumidify and fumigate the material. So they've been really generous and helpful to us, and for and also um, in recollective a media initiative in Vancouver, they volunteered to help restore our um, moving image materials. So yeah, I think it's not we we stayed afloat not through our sheer will, but through other people's help.
0: Thank you. Um, it's very heartening to know that community, the community is very supportive of the arts. It's always very nice to know that. Um, and I know uh, Rick's May also has possibly a similar experience. Um, earlier this year, there was a soft opening uh, and fundraiser for STB, STP after its renovation. Um, how, has, how have you sought funding, uh, especially during the pandemic? <laughs> uh,
3: I think, in a sense, we're quite lucky, because uh, um, n- not never, but most of the time, uh, art galleries in Cambodia or art projects in Cambodia seem to seek funds outside of the country through the platform of NGOs or international uh, NGO things like that. But I thought to myself that why not to tap into the uh, local uh, money, <laughs> just call it local money. So we did a, a fundraising online through Facebook campaign and we managed to get uh, uh, get enough funding from the local community, like through, a, uh, through um, crowdfunding things like that. Yeah? So this is how we keep ourselves afloat. And also we have a few uh, but, uh, donors who are um, well to do in the country who uh, who are interested in the project and their locals and they also give us some funding to continue the project as well. and last week we received the support this time from international uh, uh, institution which is the. US embassy who uh, will uh, give us some funding for at least another six months to keep our project going yeah. But mainly, the online fundraising is very exciting, and also it proved to us, at least, that uh, we have a potential supporters within the community, and we have to tap into them. Yeah.
0: And Hatau, uh Maka also adopts many avenues of funding, both offline and online, uh, probably from the local uh, community as well. Uh, could you elaborate on these avenues?
2: Um, similar to Rexmay, we're mainly looking for grants um, from you know like outside of the country because you know public funding for art is pretty much uh, non-existent. And I think like all <laughs> independent <laughs> our art initiative in Vietnam will agree with me on this point. Uh, but the thing is, you know, most grants uh, require applicants to come up with like a new activity, uh, collaborating on like an existing theme. So if you have to be like one hundred percent dependent on grant survive, I think it might be, you know, detrimental to the operative freedom uh, because we have a tiny team of two, now three people who also plant mm-hmm. us on the side. Uh, we, and luckily we don't have to pay the rent because it's a family property, and it's a huge privilege. Um, so there is little operational cost and we like to keep it that way uh, because we don't have to suffer from this financial pressure and also the pressure to constantly churn out content uh, or like to always go bigger. Uh, and so this relative financial independence has allowed us to be a bit more selective about you know, our work and what we choose to work on with well our partners.
0: Thank you all. I think um, with uh, independent spaces, because We mainly work outside of commercial forces there's a lot of as we've been talking there's a lot of opportunity to do very um, critical work but the same on the flip side um, it's quite difficult to or it's a challenge to have financial sustainability so there's a need to balance both projects uh, creatively and financially Um, I will ask one more question before moving on to questions from the audience Um, so I've heard about how the community has supported um, your projects. Uh, Could you give an example of how you supported your local community um, during this time, despite all odds?
2: Um, I think support is something like ongoing, right? Because, you know, these independent initiatives have been created in order to support community. And the fact that the issues that are heightened by COVID actually the ones that are faced by you know, the photography community since day one, you know, uh, including financial pressure and travel restrictions, or even like the ever present feeling that art is frivolous. for us. Um, so because we are a non-profit organization, so we can't provide material support, but you know, we are always available to help out with whatever, um, folio reviews, consultation, pillow talks and even like setting them opportunities and help spark the work uh, when necessary.
1: It's similar to what Ha said, Um, as a non-profit uh, independent platform we can't really materially support other artists but yeah um, despite uh, the last year we were mostly on the receiving end of the support um, I think we've somehow, we also support, we've extended our support to um, some of the projects that we've been working on uh, under the pandemic. Like for example, um, we've been participating in several campaigns by progressive groups and other cultural initiatives, like for example, the Concerned Artists of the Philippines, um, SACA. we've. Uh, participated in a film festival called Active Vista, which is um, organized by Tequila, a human rights group here in the Philippines. And um, for example, like the Right People, Wrong Timing project that we did on online, which was like a series of texts on defunct or dormant Asian arts initiatives. I think that somehow, I think. That kind of helps support. Even though those initiatives are already inactive, I think that kind of that kind of helps other initiatives who are still active and also helps them because I mean, although some of them stopped working um, in art, I think like first for those who, who continue to work, I think there um we gave we gave them like a platform and an opportunity to revisit and reflect on those times and hopefully like help others who will plan on doing the same thing
3: um from our side very similar to our situation is that um, our gallery we have we have uh actually two now we have two uh, locations in batonbong and now in phnom penh uh we don't have to pay for rent because these uh properties belong to artists and also to their um uh, to their relatives and they offer a space uh to use uh uh, for a long period of time and because of that our operating cost is quite low and luckily we managed to um raise enough funds this year and because of that um what we did help so far with with the with the artists in the community is uh very few of them receive small funding from us, who has a, a small project, and then we delegate some of the funds that we have uh, for them to continue to work. And I think this is the list we can do so far, and the rest I would say we have a big library, and they can come and and and, and enjoy the reading. I think that another form of support I would I would uh, include, yeah.
0: Thank you. I will now um, thank you for everything for the interesting conversation so far. I will now move on to questions from the audience. Um, we have one question from Jason Gunn, who is circling back to the topic on language. Uh, he asks, how important is English as a medium of art dissemination? Do you focus on it fully? Um, inversely? How important is talking about art in your native languages?
3: I can go first. Actually, it, it 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 touch on my area, because um, you know I'm I'm known in, in, in the country to be a a, a a new a new terminology creator, <laughs> and sometimes when I do the translation work or write an article, I would come up with a new language, uh, new terms, not language. And um, I I'm a strong advocate that art should be written in uh, in Khmer language as well, not only for an English audience and because of that since 2005 when i worked as a curator i always produce texts that has a bilingual essence english and and khmer and the two doesn't have to be a, a translated version it could be a different uh, would con- uh, convey the same essence maybe but they have they don't have to have an ex- exact terminologies and in cambodia uh art language is quite limited and i don't know why but i think maybe because um um our language structure does not allow us to uh to 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 have um you know uh, our terminology that could correlate well to the english ter- uh, English one and because of that we should come up with uh, other terminologies that uh that allow us to do so and uh and that's actually my project because uh because I think it's crucial that we need to have uh, uh, terms in the local language. Therefore the local audience and the local artists could use to convey their, their, um, their expressions, yeah.
2: Well, I, I totally agree with Roxane uh, on that point, That it's very important to, to, to have discussions in art in, in the local language. And actually when I first started out as an art writer, uh, I struggled quite a bit with writing in Vietnamese Uh, one because uh, it's actually easier for me to write in English Uh, somehow it helps you with clear thinking it's a psychological thing Uh, I don't really really know but that's my situation but secondly because similar to Khmer, a lot of the terminology here aren't they, they don't have a official translation and even the term like curator or like art photography it's still like you know, being debated at uh, this very moment. Uh, but I think, you know, being able to talk about something means demystifying it, right? And, you know, like and I felt like these kind of con- um, conversations are very um, helpful in terms of developing the scene. And I think we're just trying to do whatever we can here with um, with our um, online articles as well as, you know, the the workshops and, you uh, the programs that we do we try to do it in, in person located to um, the local community
1: here in Vietnam. I totally agree with the both Rexmi and Ha, um, but that's why it's unfortunate that we that English is, is our default language when it comes to um, like this. As we do for our art, like discussions and dialogue, because. Um because it's you know we were colonized by the Americans for like like half half a century and up until now their influence still lingers and um but we are conscious of it and we are trying to somehow to decenter that, um, because for example, with like the the right people the wrong time in project when available we have it in like bilingual like for example japanese um uh, the japanese uh, cultural workers who contributed essays we try to keep their original essays their essays in the original language and have an english version there was a vietnamese interviewee and we kept the interview in Vietnamese and had it translated into english so yeah um, i think also as Raxmi pointed out um i think with, with filipino i think there's terminology but either the vocabulary isn't developed or at least the resources to like know it and to access that kind of writing isn't so it's hard like i would like to learn how to write well in Tagalog or other uh, languages in different regions of the Philippines, but the resources uh, aren't accessible, I think.
0: Thank you all. Um, I'll move on to our just last question uh, before we end this conversation. Um, it's another question from the audience, from Weihan Pang, uh, who asks, Uh, quite a big picture question. How does Southeast Asia solidarity look like in the work that you do? Has it been difficult creating slash imagining work uh, that speaks to, resonates or supports to the causes that are important to other Southeast Asian countries?
3: That's a very big question. um what, who should who want to begin um
1: I think I'll say uh, really quickly um I think uh our solid, our solidarity with the region isn't really uh we don't really reflect that in art making but in organizing and being part of alliances so we do um projects that respond to like the urgencies of our local context but we, but we don't really see it as like speaking about other people's um, urgent situations. What we do instead is amplify their calls, their campaigns and support them and try to participate in those networks.
2: Um, I just speak for my own experience. Um, so like many other photographers here in Southeast Asia I grew up from Angkor Photo Festival, uh, you know, which has a free workshop, and that's pretty much like the only option that I can afford, you know, in order to, because it's free, and then you know it's pretty cheap to travel to Cambodia, and uh, also you know, within the community, I feel like there's a cultural shortcut, and you know when visiting other countries. I like to learn from, you know. Uh, I feel like it's easier to learn from them uh, regarding the similar economic and sometimes poly- political histories that we have.
3: Mm. To be honest, I don't know how to approach this question, but what I what comes to mind is that um, I'm not sure whether we agree on what is important in Southeast Asian countries because the importance of a certain narrative and cause might be interpreted differently by different uh, uh, artists and different group of people. So I think uh, I think it the the concept is there to speak. Probably is is more important. So whether or not it resonates is 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 the question of how this touch the audience themselves. So that would I ha- approach to this question. Yeah.
0: On that note, um, I'm going to end our discussion here. Thank you, everybody. Thank you to uh, everybody in the audience for spending the last 45 minutes with us. And thank you, Dominic Hardao and Rixmi for the conversation. I truly appreciate and I'm very thankful for all the work that you do, both in your own countries and also uh, the impacts of your work uh, throughout Southeast Asia and globally as well. So thank you very much for our audiences. Uh, if you would like to catch uh, two other great panel discussions in Lending happening for the rest of today, please visit artandmarket.net slash lending. Uh, to give some more information, uh, Lending continues the conversations from our annual publication check-in. Uh, the e-version, if you haven't checked it out yet, is free for all to read on artandmarket.net slash check-in. There is also a limited print run of check-in and we would greatly appreciate it if you would consider purchasing a physical copy, which would go towards programming at Art and Market, uh, such as the panel discussions you have uh, attended today. Um, and a quick note that uh, all our panelists here have their contributions in check-in as well. Um, so uh, if you want to read check-in, you can read more about their specific projects. Uh, thank you and see you soon.